And uh, the show is starting on time today, so that must mean uh, that Merle is by remote at the uh, at the lovely uh, cabin in uh, at undisclosed location near Tomahawk. Good morning, Merle. Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Yes. So, uh, today's first gonna up, be a, yeah, today's for... going to be a fun day. Oh, um, it I'm is. Popped okay. up on caffeine and no sleep. This is going to be a blast. <laughs> oh no. Oh no, I really should know how to use this broadcast delay setup that's right in front of me, but I I, I missed that part of the uh, radio well. production and performance class back in. <laughs> well, we'll make it work out well. We'll make it work, indeed. Uh, you know, especially on a week like this where, uh, you know, again, after Friday night, I think we can all kind of relax a little bit. Things aren't going to you-know-what's in a handbasket like we thought they yeah. were a few weeks ago. The debt ceiling deal's been reached. There's time to get it done before the uh, cash would have run out on uh, June 5th. So uh, everything Merle's been telling us about how we need to relax about this has uh, has come true. Um, yeah, it is. And I don't have any sort of a swami hat. It's just that we've been through this before a number of times, even at one point in time where we didn't get it done in time in 2011. And you know what? We're all still here. It's also getting paychecks. We're still buying milk at the store and bread, and there's... Still shoes on the shelf, though some of them look a little funny today compared to the back then. But um, uh, so everything's still going okay. We're going to be just uh, fine from that standpoint. So, yes, the debt ceiling, of course, has been uh, lifted, at least pushed back for a couple of years. Um, and as a result of that, we saw the, the Dow jump 701 points. That's 2.1% a day. I mean, heck of a, a nice jump. Yeah, it did. Yep. And and uh, you seem like the other markets uh, reacted pretty well to that uh, also yeah, on Friday. Bowl, so, uh, yeah. but, but once again, I followed my own advice. You know, I, I saw the closing numbers and I said, wow, that looks uh, pretty good. But I followed my own advice. I did not check the 401k yesterday, but I'm sure it looks uh, at least pretty good for the... Uh, it looks a that. lot better. Yeah, yeah wait until about Tuesday. You know, you know better indicators how it's going. Okay, Tuesday. You know, folks, Tuesday. in here, uh, there's an article that pops up, and I just have to uh, to say this. Uh, it's an article that popped up, and it's one of the better read and, and done articles I've seen in a long time, and it's on MarketWatch.com. Uh, the, the beginning title of it is the S&P 500 nears bear market exit. Will the tech rally finally spread to the broader stock market? As I'm reading this, of course, I'm reading it and being a male, I read it in male voice in my head. I went through, and Isabel Wang is the one who wrote it. And I said, well, geez, now I've got to change this in my head. How do I do that? Nonetheless. Um, but the article is so well done. It touches upon almost everything that's going on inside of the marketplace and things we've been talking about uh, through this. And so, folks, if you're a reader of articles about the marketplace, I, I suggest looking at uh, MarketWatch in this article because it's very, very well done. But touching upon a couple things in here that are important to note is, of course, you know, we saw the market jump up and that whole bit as we talked about early on. Um, and so one of the surprising things that helped uh, press upon us on Friday is not only the debt ceiling, which is a big one, big major release to the, the worry of the marketplace, um, but also we had a surprisingly robust jobs report. And the jobs report, of course, much larger than what the expectation was. Um, though I have read a couple of articles that said how many of those job reports were people getting second jobs to offset inflation. I don't have the answer to that, but I'm supposing or guesstimating we'll probably have some of that information over the course of the next week or so. So that's kind of an interesting twist to it in my mind. Um, if a person needs a second job and that does add to new jobs, um, uh, does that really count for something or is that a push towards another recession, which is what some of the things that we've been reading about, uh, that this is another indicator that there's a recession coming. So 
Interesting. Now, on Friday, the S&P 500, and this is still citing the same article, um, the marketplace, the S&P, escaped what's called bear market territory, which means it went down 20%, and it's coming back up for that. Um, and it escaped it now um, after 244 days, which is the longest run since that date, uh, since uh, May 15, 1948. And then that day, it lasted 484 days, with the average being 142 so we've come out of a bear market on the S&P 500 this year um, as a result of Friday's uh, marketplace. So the expectation, of course, is the debt ceiling is, uh, is uh, I'm sorry, the debt ceiling is now done, of course, past this article. Uh, but the additional expectation is that um, in here, the Federal Reserve is going to pause increasing interest rates on June 14th. And with it, the probability uh, at one point in time was that 64% we're going to go up. And now, as of recently, it's at 34% or 31% uh, that it'll go up, dropping down considerably in the belief that the uh, interest rates are going to go up. So all this news is, is really kind of uh, pointing that people aren't getting as knee-jerky as you might expect. Now, one of the things in here in this article that I really loved is she cites um, uh, in here Quincy Crosby, who is the chief global strategist at LPL Financial. And inside of here, he's looking at the um, widespread rally that's starting to occur. So, folks, if you've been watching the news over the course of the last couple of weeks, there's been a number of tech stocks, and the, the buzz du jour is AI, AI, artificial intelligence. And um, whether uh, the company's been using it for two years or three years or five years, it seems as though in the last few weeks, Mike, if you say the word AI, we've been using AI, your stock went up just because people got excited because you could say AI. Right. Um, I'm not sure if that's a, a word in another language or if it's just the two letters. I'm not sure yet, but all right, tongue in cheek. <laughs> <clears throat> but interestingly enough, <clears throat> the S&P 500 has risen now 11.5% as of Friday uh, for the year, which is tremendous. Um, you know, you annualize that, you're saying, well, geez, that's about 20%. Well, who knows if it's going to continue on that pace? I would guess not. But largely it's because of a handful of large tech companies, you know, for example, NVIDIA, uh, Apple, um, Google, um, Alphabet. Those companies taking off have been pulling the rest of the S&P 500 and other areas up as far as indexes go. So if you remember, we've said over the course of the last number of weeks that, you know, the S&P 500, especially this year, should be called the S&P 5 plus the 400 and other 95 behind it because those five are bringing the rest of it up. And what we're finally seeing now, um, according to this Quincy Crosby from LPL Financial, is that now it's starting to spread out to the broader marketplace. You're starting to see other things starting to grow in that whole bit um, along the way. And so hopefully we see then uh, that the market grows. Then further on in the article, they talk about this, that if we look at when we have the bear market, we come out of a bear market only twice since World War II, in 14 bear markets, by the way, only two times before, in 2000 to 2002, and in 2007 and 2009, did we see a bogus bottom. simply means that we had a bottom, we pulled ourselves back out, and we said, uh-uh, we're going back down again, um, and uh, staying there for a while. It's only happened two times. So the probabilities uh, continue to show that we may be uh, growing as a marketplace. Now, I'm not saying we are not having a recession. It's a whole different animal. But things are, you know, looking um, overall that we could have a, uh, some continued growth inside of the marketplace, at least according to this article and, and other places. So um, that said, 
Keep the faith. Thank you very much. Tip your waitress on the way out. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, and, and again, it, it all comes back to one of the themes that we talk about quite a bit on this show here. When you put that money away in the 401k, don't get too high up when it gets, you know, uh, when you see a peak or so and don't get too low with the valleys because that money is not there for today. It's there for 10 years from now. It's there for 15 years from now. Depending on your situation, it might be there for five years from now. It, yeah, it, it yeah. just all depends, and it's some, and it's uh, you just have to remember that, generally speaking, the trajectory of the market continues to go up, even though there are times where uh, where there where it does uh, you know go down and, and go into those valleys for a short period of time. Absolutely, you know, Mike. Like we've said so many times, the, the marketplace generally grows as the economy grows. Um, corporate America doesn't start a company to make it lose money. That's not the plan. The idea is to have it continue to keep growing in size and value and capitalization. Now, companies don't last forever, but, I mean, that's the intent. And largely, if you have a good and well-run company, um, that's the direction that they tend to go. So even if we look at um, um, words from Brian Westbury, which comes from First Trust House Chicago, in his article this past week, he said, though we still look at the, the long term of the, the stock market being very good, he said, uh, they still feel as though and believe that there's some uh, shortfalls and they think we're still going to have a recession to some point um, within the next year based upon their information and models. So so with that, we have to take both the good and the bad and look at everything and look at long term. I think, you know, we look four or five years down the road, uh, what's happening right now, I don't want to say it's in hindsight, we should never forget, but at the same time, um, I think the things we're seeing right now um, or can it be a faint memory? So we'll be starting to grow as an economy once again in that whole bit. Um, but if we look one year from now, who knows? It's kind of touch and go. I'm waiting to see what happens with the numbers and that type of stuff along the way. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. Again, just because Merle's on the phone doesn't mean we don't have an open phone line for you. We do. And uh, if you've got a question for Merle, feel free to give us a call. We will get you on the air. For a uh, for an absolutely free of charge phone consultation with Merle Kelch, with yeah, you know just you just me kind of awkwardly sitting uh, back on the sidelines. Yeah, but you look attractive. You know. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Even though yeah, even even though it's Saturday morning and uh, I really don't care even more than I normally do, uh, which yeah. is a, a dirty little secret in radio. Of course, uh, you cannot see us behind the uh behind the radio well, like you, know, you can the, the beautiful TV part anchors. about that is you know i can actually say i'm the best looking man on the radio and i have a body that was built for broadcasting on a radio you know so absolutely um that's the way i look at it at least that is, that is the way to look at it we'll be back with more after this here on wsau online at wsau.com as well mostly sunny skies outside the studio right now on our way to a daytime high Near 88 as we are making financial sense with Merle Kelch. And uh, while we were on break, we do have a question for Merle. This is actually the first one in, in, a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, Phil joining us on the line right now. Uh, Phil, welcome to the program. What's your question for Merle? Uh, you know, the, the, the big guys in the stock market and they, in the news, they all talk about inflation is coming under control and the corporations are doing better. But me as a middle class person, I'm getting stifled at the store. Everything from farm supplies for my farm to truck, you know, for vehicle supplies to groceries, everything is still going up and it is not stopping. So I, I don't understand where they're getting their numbers about inflation. 
And, Marl, I, I just wonder, when is that going to stop or, or go back? Or are we going to go to a recession before that, the prices in the stores and the, the commercial goods and stuff come down? Sure, sure. You know, um, a lot of times when they're, they're talking about inflation, like CPI or PPI, um, they're doing it what's called, uh, they're taking out what's called, I'm sorry, they're doing the core inflation, which takes out the things that are volatile, which are food and fuel. And I've long been a, a, a proponent of saying, well, why don't we put those stuff, that stuff back in because it makes sense. That's the stuff we're spending money on. So, you know, food and fuel, anybody knows you go into the store, you're spending uh, more money at this point in time. And, um, and, and that will eventually come down, um, and it has in the future or in the past, um, and I would expect it to, again, when, I'm not really sure, but it all seems to start that um, if the, the widget machine costs less um, and they produce more widgets for the machines, then they start charging a little bit less to consumers and then competition starts coming back in. So the competition we can see, for example, is now happening inside the banking sector. You know, uh, banks uh, you know, weren't paying anything for savings accounts or checking accounts and CDs, and all of a sudden they have to because the bank across the street does. And eventually we'll start seeing some of that competition come back in. Um, when, I don't know, um, but, you know, it stinks. Um, matter of fact, uh, recently I was reading an article uh, that was talking about the expectations of inflation, which is a different animal than actual inflation. It's what people believe inflation is going to do. And that number is, is up. People believe that inflation is going to continue to persist for some time. You, so whether it does or not, your, we're not you sure put yet. Swami ad, when is this going to stop? I mean, because, it, I mean, the, the inflation, I mean, a tube of grease for my tractor used to be a buck. Now it's 350 Yeah, when is, yeah. When yeah. is this going to turn? You know, if I had a guess in here, I would probably have to say later part of the year. And here's a reason my, my saying of that. Um, you know, later part of the year, things will start slowing down a little bit from an economic. They always do. You know, summer's always busier, so things will start slowing down a little bit. It always seems to happen that way, and then you start getting you know, Christmas shopping coming in there, it bounces it back up again. So not only that, but we'll also have more vision as far as what's going on with inflation, the economy, we're having a recession, not having a recession. Um, all that stuff will be, and I'd have to say towards the latter part of summer is where we should see um, uh, some of the information. Again, Nothing more than a reason that things tend to slow down when the kids start going back to school and hopefully have some sort of vision at that point in time of what's going to happen. Thanks, Merle. You're All welcome, right. Phil. Cheers. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the call, Phil. Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. Uh, you brought up a, a kind of a great point in there, and Merle, I'm going to use the example of the uh, of the dozen eggs. You know, it seemed at one point we were paying nearly $5 for a dozen of eggs, now mm-hmm. you're more consistently seeing that into the you know two dollars uh dollar ninety nine to two fifty nine maybe range. So these things mm-hmm. do fluctuate, correct? Yeah, even look at fuel prices. Um, you know, fuel prices are now starting to come down, and so um, all that stuff you know, with fuel prices coming down. Now the truckers uh, have the ability to have some competition and charge less <clears throat> to bring our goods and services, and like Phil said, his his uh, his grease. Mm-hmm. So all that sort of stuff. Uh, um, will make a difference, but it's going to take time in which to get there. Um, every time we've had a recessionary, I'm sorry, an inflationary event that we have right now, it takes time for us to get through that. And, and one of the things, unfortunately, that make it pretty easy is if we have a recession. Well, hopefully we don't have a recession, and it might take a little bit more time before those prices start to come down. But as we start coming into you know, the slowing down of the summer season when school starts getting back, we should have a better indication of, of the direction we're going from inflation and cost of goods and all that type of thing. 
715-845-2155 is the number to call. Again, good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Good morning. Good morning. Well, who are we talking to? Jim. Morning, Jim. How you doing, Merle? I am doing fantastic. That's good. I Other than feeding mosquitoes up here in Tomahawk. <laughs> I'm 75 years old. I have a wife who's 73 years old, and together we have $450,000 of cash value with our life insurance. Okay. What do I do with that, if anything? Other than leave it to the kids, Pastor. Well, you could leave it to Mike and I. I'm. I'm. That's an option. Okay I, with that. I couldn't spell. I couldn't spell your last name correctly. I didn't like <laughs> the guy that was tight end for the Chiefs, and I wasn't sure if that was right or not. <laughs> okay, well, I appreciate your thought, uh, uh, Jim. You know, so in here, you know, the, the the conversation would come is is what are you doing from an estate plan and that and that type of thing. Um, typically, if you see a lot of cash value that's built up inside of life insurance policies, it might be able to be used more efficiently. And here's here's my point on that. A lot of policies that were years ago that have now built up a lot of cash value, um, we're using the uh, cost of insurance from either the current rates or using 1980 values. Um, and and so, so as a result of that, then, uh, they're there, but they may not be as efficiently done as possible. And so... You know, perhaps uh, an idea would be is to say, well, is can we do something with a newer policy that might be able to be better based for what we're doing for an estate plan uh, between my husband and wife in case something happens for the kids or for each of us? So that's an option that you might want to that you could possibly do. Um, another thing is that you might say, well, do we need that cash value for something for us um, currently? Is there something we want to do and we could use that money more efficiently than sitting inside of a life insurance policy? But I think the direction that I would look at um, with having that much sitting inside of life insurance policies is take a look at doing an estate plan and chatting with, um, you know, a financial professional that has a lot of um, uh, experience with this and with attorneys and saying, can we use the money we've already spent to help solve estate issues for ourselves and for our kids later on? And if we say, well, we're not worried about that, we want to use it for ourselves, well, then uh, get it in singles and have one heck of a party, Jim. <laughs> well, my dad sent me down in 1970s with my local insurance agent. He said, "You buy yourself some life insurance." Yeah. And I did, and it's with a, probably the largest mutual company in the United States. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's been very good. I've used it, and um, I was wondering if I should treat it like an RMD and take a tax bite every year. You know, take out. Ten thousand or something, and pay a couple grand taxes on it, and well, milk it down and enjoy what I've accumulated. Yeah. And I, have so I, I think one of the I, I think you're kind of answering the question here, Jim. What you may want to do is sit down and chat with a financial professional or somebody you're working with, and say, "What can we do with this?" With insurance policies, if you take the money out, it's considered your money first. You're not taking out the uh, the interest; you're taking out your own principal first, and there can be a benefit to that. Now, depending upon the type of policy, not necessarily the company, but the type of policy, um, you know, there may or may not be premiums and all that kind of stuff, but that all kind of goes through and sitting with somebody who has a lot of experience with that stuff um, to look at and say, where are these policies? Do we have to pay? Do we not have to pay? How much can we take out without having to continue to keep paying premiums? Um, do we want to do something such as, and I'm, I'm just throwing this out there, Jim. Um, uh, let me tell you my story quickly. My wife and I, we have five kids between us. 
And uh, with that, we want to make sure that something happens with both of us that they're going to be taken care of. And so um, we're looking at what's called a second-to-die life insurance policy, which means it doesn't pay out upon the death of the first of us. It pays upon the death of the second of us. And with those types of policies, then, um, they uh, are really efficient because it's based upon the life of two people. Now, I'm probably going to go quick. We talked about before I have a body for radio. That was an attempt at a joke, Jim. You're supposed to laugh at this point here. So, um, but but thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so so in here then, um, sometimes you can take some of the older policies and use them in this type of a fashion. Some of these newer ones to do other things to leverage later later on. Um, and so thereby. Um, um, you can take care of it, like I said before, you can do different things with money uh, that you've already spent on insurance, use it to solve some problems later on from an estate planning standpoint. And so that's what I would chat about. I think that may not be a bad idea. Now, if you say, well, that's the only thing that we say to retirement, well, that's a whole other animal because now you have to say, well, we need to use this money um, for retirement and pulling some dollars out. But then it's just a different animal on how you would uh, use that cash whether, like you said, you pull some money out uh, now and use it to live on or uh, uh, do some of that nature. How about those companies that are taking your policy and buying it? Are they taking 10 points or 15 off of the top and calling it a day and you got the cash and life is good? Or um, I believe I, you faded out just a little bit on me there, uh, so I apologize, Jim. But you're saying that you take the existing policy and they buy the policy out and they give you some cash? Yeah. Okay. Um, they're out there. I mean, and, right. and you can certainly do so. Um, but you might be better off doing that on your own, quite honestly, um, and saying, well, just I mean, do I just want to cash the policy in or do something different? Or yeah. um, in there say, I, I just want to take a reduction of death benefit and pull some cash out? I mean, I think you have the ability to do some of that on your own without having to pay that company um, a fee for taking over your policy. So, perfect again, that's chatting. Perfect, Say again? perfect answer. I don't need to hear any more because that's what I thought. I said, why yeah. pay somebody to get money that I can get on my own? It's stupid. Yep. Long ago, when I worked for you know big insurance company, um, you would have the ability to take a reduction of death benefits. So, uh, let's yeah. say we had, and I'm, I'm making up a, a, a number here, Jim. <clears throat> we had $100,000 sitting inside of our life insurance policy, and uh, it was worth, uh, say, 200000 Okay, So we could say, well, I only want to have a $50,000 policy. I want to pull the rest of the money out, and I'm going to take it as a return of premium back. Say again, please. I, I believe he is ordering breakfast at McDonald's. Okay. <laughs> So, so those types of things, Jim, uh, do exist. Um, I don't know if it exists exactly with your company again, and that's where I suggest seeing a, a, a financial professional on that. All right, and Dean, thanks for the call, Jim. Uh, as we hit uh, 8.30 here on uh, Saturday morning, you know, uh, you brought up a couple of great points in there in that conversation with Jim Merle I want to hit on when we come back. But first, uh, we will take a check of your local. And uh, so we're going back live. Eight thirty-seven on Saturday morning here on AM five fifty FM ninety-nine nine WSAU online at WSAU.com. I am WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, joined by Merle Kelch on the phone from the 
uh, fabulous mosquito breeding ground of Tomahawk. Once again, uh, Merle, yes. Yeah. Have you recovered from the mosquito bites yet? No, I haven't. Um, folks, the mosquitoes up here are so crazy, and so we think that the mosquitoes that were inside of our trailer just decided that, hey, we're hungry, and decided to start eating this morning, and we have 50 of them. So now I'm inside doing the radio show on the phone, and uh, our, you know, our family's outside on the, uh, the table, and they said there's no mosquitoes out here, but we're getting shoot alive still inside of the trailer. Just, uh, just crazy. Um, yes. Who knows how this thing happens, you know? Yeah, and th- hey, but hey, you know, uh, worst day on the lake or worst day at the cabin is still better than your uh, your best day at the office, right? You got a point. Indeed. Never a bad thing. Yeah, and, uh, well, one thing yeah. we were talking about uh, just the uh, last segment with, uh, with when Jim called in, uh, we were talking about life insurance, and I think you brought up uh, a pretty great point that I wanted to expand on a little bit here mm-hmm. in this segment, Merle, uh, as we, of course, wait for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. So if you have a question for Merle, go ahead and give us a call because, as always, our chatter is just uh, filler between your phone calls. But you talked about uh, being able to sit down with not only a financial planner like yourself to make a plan for uh, what to do with a life insurance policy that has ballooned over the years or, or even just the 401k, which has gone up over the years and you're ready to mm-hmm. start doing something with it. You really should have a conversation not only with a financial planner, but with uh, somebody that has a background in, you know, in uh, law as well. Somebody like yeah. our friend yeah, Alan Hogum at Hogum Law Office, because yeah. there are yeah. more than one uh, aspects to consider and, and and there needs to be communication between all sides. Yeah. You know, um, and, and Jim, thank you for calling, by the way, uh, because, you know, we don't we don't get into it in our show all that much and for no other reason other than um, we tend to be more market-driven, which is what I do more for a living now. But at one point in time, I worked for a big insurance company, and we did a lot of insurance planning work. Um, and, and my life at that point in time was secondarily the securities and investment world. Um, uh, just because of my nature, I enjoyed the securities and the investment world much better. But um, because of the knowledge of both, I thrust into a lot of doing estate, a lot of estate planning work using insurances and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm pretty vast in the knowledge of it. And the reason I say that is not because of an advertisement or a solicitation I'm trying to do, but just simply saying is that most people miss this stuff. You know, um, you know, insurance solves problems. And I know for the longest time you had a lot of insurance agents that said, this life insurance policy is going to be a retirement investment. No, it's not. Life insurance is not a retirement plan, though you can use some life insurance for some retirement dollars, but life insurance is used for life insurance. It solves a problem. And I think a lot of people miss that. And the other part of that is that it solves problems. You know, for example, as I told you, between my wife and I, using what's called a second-to-die policy, um, we have the ability to solve an estate problem for our kids later on uh, upon the death of both of us. And when you do that sort of stuff and then you couple it along working with a, a law firm, you can take these types of insurance policies and put them inside of a trust. And it sounds like, uh, you know, you've you got to have $10 million, and that's not true. It's just simply doing nothing more than doing the planning or working with some people. So we'll take our, our, our insurance policy, we'll place it inside of a separate trust so that one or both of us go into the nursing home. Um, uh, it's not attachable. 
so it's out of there. So we could buy, and I'm making up a dollar amount here, folks. We could buy a million-dollar insurance policy, put it inside of this separate trust. You have your law firm set the trust up for you so separately. You put the life insurance policy into it. You have to pay the premiums, of course. There's no doubt about that. But then something happens to the second was that million dollars pays out to the kids, and it doesn't matter if we went into the nursing home and eroded everything else inside of our portfolio. Um, uh, it still goes to the kids, and you can do this sort of planning. And the thing I, I always did is that we see old policies that are out there. They're paying for insurance costs from 1980. And, folks, insurance costs from 1980 are considerably more than what they are today per $1,000 for a particular age. A lot of times you had the ability to use some of those policies and, and get that money into newer policies and just update them like anything else in the world. And I think a lot of people miss that as part of financial or estate planning or whatever type of a term uh, we want to use, and it can be a great integral part for solving problems, and uh, that's missed. Yeah, and uh, you know, I've heard life insurance described as a way of forced savings because you have the policy, you pay it, to, you know, monthly, yearly, however it is you set that up with mm-hmm. uh, with the policyholder, but then you do have the ability to access some of that money at a certain time for one reason or another maybe you if, want if to you take that to, dream yeah, trip yeah. or or you know do something with it down payment for a second a vacation home or something like that but you you still have to remember that again this is money that needs to sit there and grow because you know who knows what could happen someday and under the worst right. case scenario people need to be taken care of yeah the I'm 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 kind of I don't want to say fickle. Fickle is probably not the right word. Maybe critical is the proper term of of life insurance because you know I, when I was young in this business, uh, for everybody listening, <clears throat> you had big insurance companies saying you know you have to tell those people that it's a retirement plan for people. Well, because of you know my, me being a finance and, and accounting guy, I would say you know, life insurance is an investment because the costs are too high versus just simply putting the money in traditional types of investments. And and so I've always been somewhat critical of how it was sold in the years past. Um, is it there if you need to, if you need to grab some money or something of that nature? Sure it is, but that, that's not part of the design. You know, the design of them is that you pay for a certain period of time and you want to stop paying and still have that policy sitting there paid for that you don't have to keep paying on. It's already paid up and done. It's going to continue to take care of itself. And in doing that inside of policies, you're either receiving an interest or a dividend depending upon how the company or what type of policy it is. You want to have it so that the need you bought that policy for is paying for itself, that you don't have to keep paying the premiums. That's kind of the whole background to it, rather than using that as an investment. I'd rather buy the insurance for what we need it for and put the money inside of uh, investments as uh, time went along. There's a whole thing for a long time, Mike, where they said buy term and invest the difference. And I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing either, um, but certainly buying insurance and investing on top of it is the better way to go. But you got to make sure your family's taken care of should something happen to you, and that's the, the whole background for the insurance itself. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Again, just because we have Merle on the phone doesn't mean we don't have an open phone line for you. So if you have questions uh, about life insurance or maybe even uh, investing for college, the markets these days, or if you just want to ask Merle what the Powerball numbers are going to be tonight. <laughs> I, uh, I do not have that available. <laughs> we can certainly try. We can give you numbers. We you don't go. know if they'll be the right ones. I, I would say I have the winning numbers at home 
uh, right. on a ticket I bought for tonight. Uh, anyway, $262 million or so. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go, go ahead and take a chance on that. Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Uh, Merle, we, we talked a lot about uh, the markets today and uh, you know what they did last week, obviously, uh, coming up. And, and that's a good thing in the markets. Everything looked good uh, to close out the week. But you know, as we mentioned earlier, this is something that we, we are just going to have to ride out right now because things will level off. But uh, the most important thing is that the trajectory of those uh, – the uh, overall trajectory of the markets remains on an upward trend. And so far, we are, mm-hmm. we are continuing to see that. Yeah, we are. And what's interesting, uh, Mike, is that we've not seen the Dow really do much this year. Um, you know, if we look at the rates of returns of the S&P 500, and, and what I think I'm, I'm going from memory here, what we say year-to-date, it's up 11.8%. I thought it was what it said. Looking for the article, and folks, I might be off on that because I'm going from memory and here in my head. But we, we've not seen that set of the Dow. The Dow, in fact, has, has actually been uh, uh, maybe a little bit better than flat. And so as we're talking inside of the article with the LPL uh, uh, Global Strategist is that we're now starting to see it widespread where the growth is starting to happen in other companies. Um, though you know, business and profit is less than what it was last year, and, and I certainly have some, uh, some thoughts on that, but um, if we take a look at what's called GDI, which is gross um, uh, uh, gross domestic income. Now, gross domestic income is like gross domestic product, um, except maybe a little bit fine-tuned. It's an alternative measure. Um, and the reason we, you know, GDP we see right away, and gross domestic income is about a, a it's about a month or a month and a half leg before you see the number, and so you don't see it as fast. So most people in the news media and, and uh, so forth look at GDP. Um, which, of course, is all the sales around the country um, as a measure of whether we're in a recession or not, where things are going. So uh, GDP in the first quarter actually said that we were up, uh, in fact, actually up 1.6%, and gross domestic income actually looks that we were down about 2.3, which G, uh, GDI, I'm sorry, uh, was down 2.3, which shows that we're starting to have some contraction in business going down, which is uh, no surprise to anybody. So the question then becomes is, um, is business down because we were at such a high plateau um, after we got everything fired back up and the we got the uh, you know the streams full of product again and started people buying and selling and we're slowing back down to a norm, or is it that we're actually dropping down in a recession? We don't quite know the answer to that yet. Um, but what is beautiful is that the consumer's still spending like crazy. Jobs are still going on, and now we're starting to see the markets go widespread between multiple companies versus just a few handfuls only inside of the tech sector. So I'm excited to see what happens over the course of the next couple of months. Um, both good and bad, I'm excited to see what happens so that we have more clarity and can do a little bit better um, forecasting or planning as far as um, our own personal accounts, uh, yours with everybody listening, mine, Mike's, and everybody else's. But we need to get a, a continual handle on what's going on, and it's getting better. Um, We've talked about the M2 money supply, folks, a couple of times. So uh, the M2 money supply, I like to uh, tease my clients and say, you know what that means? And they say, what? And I say, well, it's one better than M1, which is <laughs> of kind course. of true. Um, M2 money supply is all the money inside of our checking savings uh, CDs, which is our M1 money supply. M2 simply adds all the money that's in circulation. And so that said, um, M2 money supply uh, was down again in April 
0.8 of a percent, which means it's the ninth consecutive monthly drop. And this is the largest since the Great Depression, folks, that we've seen M2 money supply come down. Now, does this mean we're going to a Great Depression? The answer is no, probably not. Um, I don't see any indicators that are out there. I don't read anything from anybody else that there's any indicators of that. But remember, our drop that we're doing now, we're doing on purpose. The Great Depression happened because of problems. So let's make sure we say that. But the reason M2 money supply is so important is because it is the background of where inflation is. If you see M2 money supply come down, we're going to see inflation come right with it. And it's exactly what we're seeing happening. So it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And we're doing it on purpose to uh, slow down the, the money supply and inflation. So I don't see this necessarily as bad, but we have to see how the, the profit, jobs, all that sort of stuff continues to shake itself out over the course of these next couple of months. You know what my favorite day to check the uh, the M2 money supply is? What's that? It's actually today. It is? Yes, because today is the day after payday. <laughs> well, then it all I depends realize, on how much you spend. Yeah, then I realize, wait a minute, the mortgage payment is going to come out on Monday. There's another payment that... <laughs> But it's still a great day to check the M2 money supply, at least on my yeah. own personal account, because you... Well, it's, it's, the, it's the Mike 2 money supply. Indeed. It, it makes you feel like you have money, at least for a for a brief moment. Yeah. He is Merle it's, Kelch. We are making financial sense on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We'll be back uh, with, to wrap things up in just a bit, but we do still have time for uh, one or two more of your uh, quick questions. So if you do have a call... Feel free to give us a call right now at 715-845-2155. Right now, it's Chris Conley in this day. AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU online worldwide at WSAU.com as well. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner back for our final segment here, uh, Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch on AM 550 FM 99.9. And uh, taking a look outside right now, mostly sunny skies continue. Things are going to be a bit on the warm side today. So if you can, make sure you, uh, if you're outside quite a bit like Merle is going to be today, make sure you stay hydrated, uh, get inside, get some air conditioning every now and then as well. And again, as we've said throughout the show today, make sure you have the mosquito repellents uh, There's no ready. doubt. So uh, people are saying, well, Merle, you can just be in the water. You don't have to worry about mosquitoes. But I have a problem, Mike. When I get in the water, mm-hmm. people start throwing sea cabbage at me because they think I'm a manatee. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on now! It's not that bad. It's not that bad. But all right, just a little tidbit here. Um, again, an article by Jillian Berman, um, and this is part of the debt ceiling. Uh, student loan borrowers will re- start resuming payments in three months. Uh, so here's how to start preparing. Well, guess what? You get to start paying your student loans back. Uh, there is no big forgiveness. It's not falling apart. You still have to pay the bills. It's all coming back and. Uh, the three-year hiatus that we had on payments uh, now starts two months past June 30, which would be pretty close to uh, October 30th, uh, September 1. And so mm-hmm. we have to start thinking about that going on. All right, we start have to start paying these things back and uh, make some deals and that whole bit. So my thought would be in here is to maybe start calling some of these uh, loan providers and saying, hey, you want to make a deal? Maybe it's a good time to start doing some of that. Um, uh, we'll see what happens. But that's about the best uh, uh, little tidbit that people probably don't recognize as part of this debt ceiling deal that occurred. Yeah, and on on that note, you know, it's probably good uh, if you haven't been making these payments, if you've been, uh, you're somebody, you're in a position where you haven't had to pay in to these, maybe you've been making payments voluntarily every now and then, 
But right now, I think I would look at something like this and say, okay, it's a good time to maybe start practicing for making those payments. Well, look, yeah. look at what your payment's uh, going to be. Transfer that amount from your checking to your savings every month. Uh, absolutely. You know, I've, I have seen uh, uh, student loan payments that are $1,800, $1,900 a month. They're a house payment. Um, and and, and it's, it's brutal, but, you know, the, there's no getting out of it. And, in fact, uh, many of them you can't even do a bankruptcy to get out of them uh, mm-hmm. from the student loan. So you either have to pay it or have some sort of negotiation to try to pay it off early. Um, uh, we have had clients that have literally went to the bank and borrowed money and paid off the student loans because it was a better deal doing that when the interest rates were down at 2 and 3% on personal notes versus the others. Um, so the student loans are out there. Uh, they're not going away. You know, the forgiveness, the $20,000 that, um, uh, you know, the Biden administration proposed, of course, um, is, isn't going to happen. So it's not going to. It's over with, folks. you got to start paying them back. So like it or not, that was part of the deal that they just finished up with the debt ceiling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like, uh, you know, no matter what side of the aisle you're on with something like this, again, it is uh, it is money that has to be paid back. You, you've taken it out. You've promised to, and uh, now it's time to uh, cash that in. But again, if you're in a spot where that might be a little tight for you, uh, you can call your uh, student loan provider. And again, there is ways you can negotiate to either adjust the payment or have some sort of income-based mm-hmm. plan as well, correct? Yep, exactly. So, in fact, uh, inside of the article, they're talking very much of the same thing as you just simply, as you said, Mike, and saying, you know, contact your uh, uh, provider, except you can't contact the Department of Education because they just cut back uh, customer service hours. That's inside of the article. I kind of giggled that I saw that part. Uh, but in here, um, how to prepare your, for your payments to do is find where your student loans are, um, you know, who your provider is, who's holding your money, mm-hmm. and uh, figure out what a monthly benefit might be. I um, mean, go to the Department of Education website or the website of uh, whichever organization might be uh, done. And remember, though, uh, uh, you can use what's called a in a income-driven plan, um, and that's going to make the, your payments based upon what your income might be. Um, and uh, so, from that, you might be able to save a few bucks along the way. Merle, at if, least from a payment standpoint. Yes, at there least from a payment standpoint is correct. Yep. Merle, uh, how do folks get a hold of you here in Wausau if they want to talk to you uh, during the week? Folks, you can stop in and visit us at 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Come on in, kick the tires, have a cup of coffee. You can give us a call locally, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100. Or you can find us online at kelchinassociates.com. All right, Merle, we always appreciate the time uh, on this Saturday morning. Enjoy the day up north, and uh, we'll see you back in studio next week. Sounds fantastic. See you, my friend. Again, he's Merle Kelch, and we have been making financial sense on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We have your regular Saturday polka lineup coming up next, and, of course, later today, Milwaukee Brewers baseball. The Brewers take on the Reds. That's a a 235 pregame show.